Amen. God's already done some great things. I believe He's going to do some more great things, don't you? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There is, uh, there is nothing, well, I would say nothing, but in my opinion, it's grand and it's great, like the opening ceremonies of the Olympic Games. The colorful flags of the world held high and justified pride by the athletes who've earned the honor to carry them and to be involved in the Olympics. These participants in their in their all their array, their colored uniforms, and that all blend together to make uh, a beautiful kaleidoscope of races and colors and creeds and cultures. And it's it's just a gathering of the world at the Olympic Games. It's real. It's really something to see. Perhaps you've watched that before. But they've worked for years in order to march in this parade. They didn't just get there overnight. They paid they paid for this with their own blood and their sweat and their tears and their determination to be the best at whatever they're there for. It is a it's quite an accomplishment to get to the Olympics and um, not many make it. It's just not many that go there. But before they ever leave, enter the stadium, before they ever hear the deafening cheers of an Olympic-sized crowd. They are asked to repeat a saying. And I didn't know this till I read this, but I thought, wow. But they are asked to repeat a saying. And this is what the saying is. Say it with me. Repeat it after me, if you will. I have prepared. I have followed the rules. And I will not quit. Wow. When I, when I read that, I, I pondered over that statement for a few minutes and I thought how this statement applies to every child of God, every Christian. As a matter of fact, I, I won't ever be in the Olympics and probably you not won't either, but um, that's, that's past most of us here. But someday we are going to stand upon a big stage. Someday, we're going to stand on the platform called eternity. And we're going to stand with every race and creed and color. The church is not confined to America. The church is not confined to, to 6680 Frontage Road. There's all creeds and all colors and all nations. And there's people from the four corners of this earth that are called the church, whether you believe that or not. As a matter of fact, when the uh, when when they entered into to Red China, they found they found people there that were already filled with the Holy Ghost and already baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Revival can go beyond walls, and it can go to places that we can't go. And God reaches into the areas of our world and saves. He doesn't have to have us, but before we enter. The grand parade of saints, when we stand before our Maker, we, like the Olympians, must have committed ourselves to that very same oath. The oath the Olympians take has to be taken by every child of God. I have prepared, I have followed the rules, and I will not quit. That's what I'm going to preach to you about tonight. I want to talk about the principles 
for successful Christian living in, in this little statement. There's three of them, and I want to I talk about it. I want to challenge you for just a little bit tonight. First of all, we're not, we're not spectators in this game. We are participators. We're in the middle of the arena. Amen? We're not standing on the sidelines looking on. We're a part of what's happening. And I, and I thank God for that. So I've, I've come to challenge you tonight. You have to prepare, you have to follow, and you can't quit. And that's a requirement if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. I'm not going to preach anything, try to preach anything. I told you the other day, I'm through, I'm through preaching for, for pretty sermons. I want to get down to where we live a little bit tonight. When we prepare to live for God, let me show you what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but it's very powerful to me. Because it said, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, this is not just for preachers, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't know how you feel, but this book is the most important book in my life. I'm talking about me. I can't answer for you. This Bible is the road map to heaven. This is what's going to save us right here. When we live by the, the precepts and the concepts and the theories and the, the judgments and, and all the things that come out of here, this is where it's at. Amen. Several centuries ago, there was a Japanese emperor commissioned by an artist to paint a bird. A number of months passed, the story said. Then several years and still no painting was brought to the palace. And so finally, the emperor became so exasperated that he went to the artist's home to demand an explanation. And instead of making excuses, the artist placed a blank canvas on the easel, and in less than an hour, he completed a painting that was to become a brilliant masterpiece. And when the emperor asked the reason for the delay, the artist showed him armloads of drawings of feathers and wings and heads and feet. And then he explained that all of this research and study had been necessary before he could complete the painting of the bird. And so when I, I read that, I read that just today, and, and, and when I thought about that, I thought about the children of God. Preparing, preparing for what? Well, number one, we're preparing for eternity. But not only that, the Bible said... When a man asks you a question, you ought to be able to give him an answer. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what the Scripture said. You need to know why you believe what you believe. I had a, had a lady come to my office some years ago now. You don't know who she is, and, and I wouldn't tell you. You'd probably know if I told you, but she, she started telling me, Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm going somewhere else. I said, Okay, why? Because I don't believe this, this, and this. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Sit down right there. You want to have a little talk. 
You're going to quote scriptures and tell me this and that. I, I want you to explain to me why you believe what you believe. And here's what she said. Well, I can't explain why I believe what I believe. But this is what I've been taught. Well, honey, you've got to be able to explain why you believe what you believe. I know why I believe what I believe. Do you? And when you prepare, you can paint the picture, but it's going to take a little while to get ready for the picture. I, got, I thought about Paul today. Paul, he spent years at the feet of Gamaliel and studying before he ever preached a sermon. If I'm correct, it was 14 years of preparation before he ever did anything as the Apostle Paul. So what are you saying? What are you preparing for? Now, we're all preparing. We are. Whether we like it or not, we're all preparing. Some of us are getting ready for retirement. Somebody's getting ready for careers. Somebody's getting ready for a major purchase. Somebody else may be getting ready for some event in your life. But, but you're all preparing for something. But let me tell you, we better be preparing ourselves for the kingdom of God and for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, so when you say, I have prepared, my question today is, how deep are you into the Word of God? Uh, I, I remember when I started preaching, my dad, as a matter of fact, I pulled it out not long ago and gave it to a, a young preacher. I bought one for him. And I, I said, this is what my dad bought me when I started preaching. It's a big old thick book. It, 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 was a, it was a home study course, and it was, it was full of study, and, and, and I preached many sermons from it along the way. And I dug into that, and I, I learned, I learned. I was raised in the church, but let me tell you, just because you can quote Acts 2.38, that's not good enough. You can't just quote John 3.16, that's not good enough. Come on now. Y'all going to help me preach or look at me like a mule looking at a new game? Amen. I just want you to understand that what God is expecting out of us in these last days is preparation to do the will and the work of God. I buried myself in that. It was, it was even one, one time years ago, there were some things in my mind that I was confused about. And it's since I've been pastor here, I shut my door to my office. I laid out commentaries. I laid out books. I got the Bible out. I got every translation I could get. And I was determined to study that issue until I knew that frontwards and back. I wanted to know what everything I could find out about that issue. And let me tell you, that's what you have to do in order. You don't take everybody's word for the, for the things of your salvation. Are you with me tonight? Amen. There's a lot of folks that will come along and tell you whatever you want to hear. But you have to prepare yourself. You have to study to show yourself approved. A workman unto God. And, and when I made choices in my life to go deeper into the Word of God, to prepare myself, my goal was to be ready when somebody asked a question. To be ready for the service of God. Why did I do it? Because I want to be used of God. I want to know the Word of God. 
I want to be prepared for the things that God's going to send. We are living in the days of the greatest revival in the history of the world. It's going to be an explosion of outpouring of Holy Ghost and, and baptism in the name of the Lord. And I want to tell you, we have to be ready to do what God wants us to do. Somebody has got to say, I am prepared. on a Wednesday and a Sunday, let the preacher preach, let most of it go right over your head, socialize with everybody, pay your tithes, go back to work, come back the next week. Very easy to do that week in and week out. Very easy just to pray in the prayer room on Sunday and on Wednesday and, and not spend the time with God. Let me tell you about preparation. It takes several things. I'm going to talk about uh, a few of them here in just, in just a moment. If you want to be a participator in this game, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to strip away all the unnecessary things. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have a little, little, little preaching here tonight. Just stay with me. Here's what the Bible said, Hebrews 12 and 1. Put it on the screen if you will, please. Wherefore? Seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There is a difference in weight and sin. But I submit to you that Paul said, you got to get rid of both. you got to lay down anything that's hindering you from living for God. you got to get rid. There's some things that are sin. There's some things that are weight. But I am convinced your weight can become sin. Now, now let me rephrase that. I don't mean your weight can become sin because we're all in trouble. But the weight that you carry and the things that you deal with on a daily basis, your weight might be a sin because the Bible does preach against gluttony. We better head another direction here. It should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. The first move you make to becoming a participator in the game, in this eternal journey, and what we call walking with God is repentance and laying aside unnecessary things. You can get all, you can get all bogged down with things that are weights. Let me tell you that right now. This means you've got to take a real close look at your own life. And you, as an individual, have to decide what is important to you and what is not important to you. There's, there's some things that are no, not sin. But they can become sin if they become your God. If they become, if they, if they become something that is put in front of God and the church. I preach as hard as I've ever preached on Sunday morning about our love for God. And I want to tell you that I will not back up from that because the first and greatest commandment is that we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul, and all of our mind, and all of our strength. Does anybody love Him that way? Hallelujah. So, 
We have to take a look at ourselves. The Scripture tells us that if we will judge ourselves, that we won't have to be judged. But the problem is, is we very rarely judge ourselves. We don't look at ourselves and judge ourselves. I'm not talking about putting yourself down. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking an, an honest evaluation of who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing and let the light of the Word of God shine deep in your soul and decide for you, is this really worth my time? Is this really conducive to my Christian walk? Is this really where I ought to be going? Is this really what I ought to be saying? Is this really what I ought to be doing? Because you're getting prepared and you can't prepare till you lay aside the weight and the sin. Amen? You see, you've got, you got to overcome hindrances in your life. In order to, to do the will of God, you have to overcome hindrances. There's hindrances in everybody's life. Let me show you what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. He said in verse 7, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Now, I want you to notice something here. He did not say what did hinder you. He said who did hinder you. To be successful living for God, you've got to choose the right thing. Friends. You've got to hang around the right people. Your environment dictates who you are. Come on now. Uh, he didn't say what hindered you. He said you were running well. Who hindered you? Who got in your way? Who hurt your feelings? Who called you names? Who got to you? He said, who did hinder you that you should that you would not obey the truth? You see, whenever we make a commitment to God and we're getting ready to go to the game and we're getting ready to do the will of God, we don't need we don't need some people in our lives. I'm just being honest tonight. You don't need the naysayers there every day. If you're hanging around people that don't have faith, go find you some friends that have faith. You're hanging around people, all they want to do is use filthy language. That's bad on your Christianity. Get away from that and go find you somebody to hang with that loves the Lord like you do. I've always preached it, I'll preach it again. I'm going to tell you tonight, your closest friends ought to be people of like precious faith. It's, I'm not saying we, we don't have anything to do with the world. You can't win the world. We, we, we took the, the notion in times gone by, oh, don't go out there and mix with the world. How in the name of God are you going to win the world if you don't mix with the world? you got to go where they are. you got to reach for them every day. And you can't seclude yourself and still reach for them. But in order for us to overcome some things and some people... And people that influence. Let me tell you, if mama don't go, you got to go anyway. If daddy don't go, you got to decide to go anyway. If your best friend don't go, you can't let them drag you back. The Bible said, who did hinder you? you got to get some people out of your life. That's not popular, but that's good stuff. Because if you let some people hang around, they won't do anything but drag you down. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about. 
you can recognize the hindrance. It's that one that says, oh, don't go to church. Come go with me. It's that influence in your life that says, you know what? It won't hurt you just this one time. It's that influence in your life. It's that influence in your life that says, you know what? It don't take all that. Oh, I'm, I'm down where the rubber meets the road here for a little bit tonight. But see, you're preparing. And when you start preparing, you've got to lay aside the weight. You've got to lay aside the sin that does so easily beset you. And then you've got to overcome hindrances of things and people that would hinder you from serving God. Otherwise, you're never going to make it. You're never going to get there. And then you've got to get your eyes on the end results. I preached in this pulpit about three or four weeks ago. Remember the final results. You remember that? Don't forget was, the, was what I preached. Don't forget the final results because we're all headed somewhere. Henceforth, Paul said this to Timothy in, in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 8. Henceforth, he said, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them that also, also that love His appearing. I'm headed somewhere. I'm not in this thing just, just going through daily routine. I'm not in this thing just to impress you that I'm a Christian. I'm in this thing for the final results. And there is henceforth a crown of righteousness that I'm headed for, that I want to get, that I intend to have. The righteous judge is going to give me in that day. Hallelujah. You see, none of us will ever succeed if we, if we don't know why we're running. Listen. I, I thought about this. I read this. I thought about this. What a true saying. I came to this conclusion that this writer was right. He said, I don't serve God to stay out of hell only. And I don't serve God just to go to heaven only. I serve God because I love Him. A preacher can't preach every week on hell that scared you enough to, to cause you to be saved. The Bible says He saves some with fear. Well, let me tell you, fear will subside with time. Am I right? But, but I promise you, you somewhere have to fall in love with Jesus. I mean, He's got to become the number one. You see, some of us think of heaven as our goal. And it is to a degree. Am I right? But let's, let's make love the goal. Let's fall in love with the Lord. Let's do what I preached about here. Let's love Him because He, he, he loved us first. Amen? So because I love Him, then I put discipline in my life. And because I love Him, then I minister to other people in my life. Then because I love Him, I keep running with the goal in mind. I, I don't just want to get to heaven. I want to know Him before I get there. So that when I get there, I won't be a stranger there. I want to fall in love with Him here on this earth. I want to love Him so much that I go to His house, that I go to His presence, that I kneel before Him, that I read about Him and I read His Word and I get a relationship with Him. It's more about relationship than it 
is about room. Man. He said, I prepare. That's the first thing. You got to prepare. Everybody say prepare. Don't forget that word. I have prepared. And then, and then, then let's go here. The Olympian said, I have followed the rules. Now, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 5, he said, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. And, 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 and when, you, when you look at this, he is not talking about rules in a pharisaical way, but in the sense of a disciplined child of God. Not, listen to me right now, not a list of do's and don'ts, but a desire to fall in love with Jesus and to excel beyond normal Christianity. Somebody said, well, why don't, why don't you just make a list of do's and don'ts? You, you've got enough lists right here of do's and don'ts. All you've got to do is read right here. Amen? We can't make our own list of rules and, uh, of do's and don'ts. A, a rule book causes Phariseeism. I don't expect you to shout, but it's the truth. Because I know folks that follow the rules. And they look like a Christian, smell like a Christian, walk like a Christian. They got a tongue like a viper. Holding grudges from 20 years ago. I just want to sink in. You see, it's not about rules. It's about relationship. God never intended to just make a bunch of rules without a relationship. The Old Testament was full of rules, but I'll tell you what Jesus said. And I heard the other day where, where some religion was trying to do away with it. Matter of fact, a well-known preacher said that he's decided now that the Ten Commandments are not for the New Testament church. Well, let me just tell you something tonight. The Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions. There's still Ten Commandments. And Jesus never came and said, I'm going to do away with all that now. That's not what He said. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. Are you with me tonight? I came to make sure that it's done, but in a better way. Do you think He done away with thou shalt not kill? Thou shalt not steal? Thou shalt not commit adultery? Thou shalt not have any other God before me. No. No, he hadn't done away with that. So, a list of rules. Look, back in the old days, in the Old Testament, that's what they had was a list of rules. And that's what they lived by was a list of rules. And if you didn't follow the rules, they'd take you outside in some instance and stone you to death. You with me? But Jesus said, I've come to make it better. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's about falling in love with Jesus. It's about getting an experience in your life that will cause you to want to live right. It'll make you walk right. It'll make you spit white. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that in. But the facts are, we, you, 
you don't just go by rules. Why? So I said, why don't you just write them down? Because I'd miss something if I wrote them all down. And a preacher can't preach enough rules for you to be saved. I'd preach all the rules that I can think of. And when I turn my back, you're going to be doing it anyway. It ain't about me. I know that's not proper English, but it's not about me. It's about falling in love with Jesus. It's about getting up every day wanting to serve God. Wanting to walk with God. Wanting to live for Him. Wanting to talk with Him. Hallelujah. I'm just preaching to you on this Wednesday night. We have to follow the rules. But the rules are found in relationship. Remember, it's not all about heaven or hell. It's about loving Jesus and loving people. Jesus Himself said the greatest and first commandment is love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second one is this, love your neighbor like you love yourself. How many of you love yourself? Oh, you better raise your hand. Because the Bible said if a man say he don't love himself, he's a liar. You love yourself. If you don't love yourself, just go on out there at night and take a hammer and smash all ten toes and smash your fingers. And You know, if you don't love yourself, people do that, something's wrong with them. I love myself. I don't always like the way I look or the way I feel. Or, but I tell you, I'm going to protect old Danny boy. I'm pretty much going to take care of me. Amen? And so are you. Somebody steps on your toe, you know what you do? Ow! Quit! Get off of me. That's what some of you is doing while I'm preaching here tonight. You can't produce love from a list. You can only produce love from a relationship. And in order to build a relationship, your love for God has got to be, it's got to be deep and it's got to be disciplined and it's got to be right. I want, I want to know Him. I want to know Him so that He knows me. I want Him to know my voice and I want to know His voice. Jesus, let me tell you, you, you want to talk about rules and relationship? Let me tell you what He said. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll, you'll play by the rules. If you love me, You'll keep my commandments if you love me. That's why, that's why, see, and I realized this a long time ago. I, I've been preaching a long time, but, but, but I finally come to the, to the realization. Matter of fact, I called my dad one time, I, and I was, I was pastoring down Sandy Lake. I had a guy who was a great guy in a, in a lot of ways, but, you know, me being raised in a, in a good old apostolic church and, you almost think sometimes, well, if this one ain't worshiping this way and shouting this way and running aisles and stomping and rolling and kicking, and they ain't got it. Well, that ain't true. That's not true. Everybody's not made the same. There's some folks that probably never will do that. Some probably need to, but they never will do that. But I called my dad and I said, Dad, Oh, what about it? I called a guy's name. He knew him well. He said, well, son, let me ask you a question. He says, you come to church? I said, oh, he's here every time the doors are open. You pass time? Oh, yes, sir. See, is he giving you in trouble? Oh, no, sir. No, I'm just kind of worried about it. 
If I don't see you move, I don't say, you know, it's kind of like the... It's kind of like the little boy that knelt down beside his bed to pray one night. His dad said, come on, son, let's pray for before we go to bed. And they got through. And, and his dad looked at him and said, son, I didn't hear you praying. He said, I wasn't praying to you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Me being a young pastor, I thought, well, you know what? This guy just really, I need to get a hold of him, lay hands on him, give him a good shaking, but... But you know what? That, that really wasn't what he needed because he was doing the things that were right and the things that were necessary. and He just wasn't doing like I thought he ought to do. But let me tell you something. If you love God, you'll just keep His commandments and walk with Him every day. If you get a blessing, so be it. If you want to shout, I'm all with you. If you want to run aisles, I'll run with you. But let me tell you, that's not what it takes to be saved. What it takes to be saved is repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and Holy Ghost infilling, speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance and then living a godly and holy life. That's what it takes to be saved. That's the gospel in a nutshell. I can't put it any plainer than that. And if you're missing out on any one of them steps, I wish you'd come to me tonight and let's get it right. Because I want you to go to heaven. And I'll try to help you make a relationship with God. But in order to build a relationship, you've got to keep His commandments. That's why Paul said, Paul said one time, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I've done what I could do. I've finished everything I should have finished. I've kept my faith. You know, Paul, he was talking in past tense when he made that writing. And he did not aimlessly drift through his life. Undisciplined, without making a decision, he didn't decide at the last few minutes of his life, I'm going to do good for God. I want to tell you, he gave it everything he had. He had a relationship with God. He heard the voice of God. He walked with God. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown out of cities. He was stoned. He came near to death so many times. But he said, I don't worry about all of that. All I want is to know Him. And ladies and gentlemen, when you play by the rules, the rules are get to know Him. Get a relationship with Him. Get involved with Him. I promise you, when the church gets involved with Jesus, the preacher won't have to worry about rules and regulations. Everybody will want to live according to the Word of God. You've got to discipline your daily actions. You've got to be obedient to the principles of the Word of God. There's some things that aren't written in black and white, but they're principles that you have to live by. Amen? Amen? I don't read Scripture where the Lord says, Thou shalt not drink Budweiser. Not one in I never read a scripture where the Lord said, Thou shalt not smoke, Mama. Never once. But we know, we know that that's harmful to your body, and your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And we know there's addictions there that can claim your mind and claim your body and eventually claim your soul. So there's principles in the Word of God. Y'all are quiet on me now. You see, you see, A boxer don't win the match. 
the night of the match. He did. I've read a lot and I, about boxers, and I was, I, 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 was, I was a fan of boxing, especially when I was younger. My dad was always a fan of boxing, and, and, uh, and I love boxing. I, I, I can tell you the stories of, of, of Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and Sonny Liston, and that was my day. But a boxer don't win the night of the match. A true fighter wins in the months and years preceding the match. Paul calls this striving for masteries. He doesn't just get in the ring and, and hope he lands a punch and slings his arms and fists and hopes he hits, a, uh, you know, he hits his opponent with a haymaker and knocks him out. He gets up every morning. He's running. He's jumping rope. He's training. He's practicing. He's working out. He's sparring. He's, he's doing everything he can. And much, much more is involved when he's learning to box. And, 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 then, and then the night the fight comes, he's prepared to win because he has put in the hours and he's put in the training. But if, 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 if he is truly going to win, he will do it by never forsaking the fundamentals of boxing. And if you're going to win, and if you're going to be a successful Christian, you have to strive. Paul said it. I read it to you. If a man strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Everybody say lawfully. You've got to do it within the science of boxing. And you've got to do it within the science of living right and righteous. Think about it. In other words... You can't abandon the fundamentals. I read a, I, I, Vince Lombardi. Anybody know who Vince Lombardi was? All you women don't know, but Vince Lombardi. Probably the greatest coach that ever lived. He was coach of the Green Bay Packers, where, and, and, and they were one of the greatest football teams in history. But they had a particularly bad season one time. And Vince Lombardi, in an effort to get things back on the right track, he called them in, and he called them professional football players in the locker room. He used that word. And, and in his hands, Vince Lombardi, he had something in his hands. I wish I had one tonight. But he had in his hands a football. And the professional Green Bay Crack Packers, that were a powerful force in that day. Vince Lombardi, the greatest coach probably of all time. He said in this, I quote, Gentlemen, this is a football. You ever read that story? Gentlemen, this is a football. I mean, here's professional athletes. They knew what a football was. But what he was saying is, it's time we go back to basics. So I'm telling you on this Wednesday night. You ready? Gentlemen, this is a Bible. You're not going to find it in the hoopla of the 21st century. You're not going to find it with all the flamboyant preachers on a television. You're going to find it right here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Bible. Folks, these are altars. This is the house of God. 
You've got to get back. If you're going to follow the rules, you've got to stay with the basics. You can't leave the basics. I don't care what day we get in. Look, look, I've said this so hundreds of times. I love all the modern stuff. I do. I'd much rather be here than I had a brush harbor swipe, swipe, swatting mosquitoes and flies and swallowed bugs. I'd much rather be here. And you? Anybody like this heat tonight, this air conditioner in this building? You like it? Some of you don't like my air conditioner, but it's all right. I'd much rather be sitting on padded pews. I'd much rather be here. I, all these lights, they don't bother me. I, I, lights, I think man, that's good. Great. Screens, we didn't used to have screens. These are all, it's all modern stuff. I can see there and then I can read up here and we can read both ways. And, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty neat stuff. I like all that. I'm, I'm into that. But we can't forget the basics. If you're going to strive for masteries, you've got to do it lawfully. Paul said that. You've got to do it within the, within the basics. You've got to get back to the Bible. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you can't just prepare. You have to follow the rules. And the last thing, I will hurry now. He said, I will never quit. That's what they said. I've prepared, I'll follow the rules, and I will never quit. They make him quote that before they walk into the Olympics. So Jesus said this, He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, what that tells me in that Scripture, you can take one word and understand that life sometime is going to be hard. And walking with God is not always going to be easy. Because he said endures. Endures. That means you're going to go through some stuff. That means, that means every morning you get up, the sun's not going to shine bright, and, 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 and all the money's going to be good, and life's going to be rosy, and nobody's going to say anything about you. You just, oh, no, that's not, what it's, that's not what it's about. He said he that endures, if you've got the grit, and the determination, if you've got a relationship with God, if you're willing to hang in there. I've watched people that throw the towel in way too early. Honey, I ain't throwing the towel in. I'm going down swinging. Let me tell you that right now. I may be down, but I ain't out. I'm getting back up. Because he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And then Paul comes along in 2 Timothy 2 and 3. And this is what he said to Timothy. He said, Thou therefore, talking to that young preacher, he said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You've got to be willing to go through the tough times. If you're going to be successful, you are not going to have it easy every day of your life living for God. Somebody say, I won't quit. Does anybody here know my favorite saying? Say it loud, Jimmy. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. There's never been a truer statement. And especially living for God, half the battle to win it 
is when you make up your mind and you say, you know what, I'm going to serve God. Now there's going to come all kind of things in your life. All kind of barriers, all kind of barricades, all kind of detours, all kind of rocks being thrown, all kind of words being said, all kind of people in your way, all kind of things. The devil's going to do everything he can to stop you from living for God. But I've come to tell you tonight, you can't give up. You can't quit. The Bible said, take on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having to, having done all to stand, having done all to stand, Ephesians 6, 13 and 14, Brother Tommy, he said, having done all to stand, what's the next word? Stand! Hey, move. I refuse to give up. Sometimes you've got to be stubborn. You can't let the devil push you around. You can't let the devil dictate to you. He's a liar. He's a father of every lie. Every time he tells you he's, you're not going to make it, you tell him you are going to make it. When he starts telling you about, about your past, you start telling him about his future. Because I can read you out of that book that I've been preaching about tonight. That he is bound and thrown into hell for eternal ages. I don't worry about my future. I'm in the church. I've got God. I'm telling you we win. I refuse to quit. I'm going to be on the winning team. I'm going to, when it's all said and done, I'm going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I believe that with all of my heart. I just Refuse to quit. When things don't go your way, stand. When your faith is tested and it comes against you every evil thing, stand. When your decisions are aligned with the Scriptures and others try to denounce you, stand. Even when you have to stand by yourself, stand. Don't give up. Just stand. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't have quit in your vocabulary. Just stand. If you fall, get up. If you stumble, get up. Because if you get up, there's still hope. If the devil gets you down and keeps you down, there is no hope. I'm preaching to somebody in this room tonight. You prepare and you follow the rules and then you say, I will not quit. Hallelujah. The whole armor of God, the whole armor of God begins begins with putting on the helmet of salvation. You know why I believe that is? Because the first place the devil attacks is your mind. It's a thought before it became a sin. I'm going to help some of you new ones. The old ones know this. You've heard me preach it. But I want you to tell me what you The devil will put bad thoughts in your mind. But a bad thought it's not a sin unless you let it stay. Somebody said, oh, I had an evil thought. Everybody has them. You serious, preacher? Well, yeah. When you said, I'd just like to slap them, that's an evil thought. When you said, get out of my way, I'm in a hurry, that's an evil thought. Uh-huh. See, you, you just thought you was pure and holy. Amen. We all have them. The devil sees to it that he conjures 
of things to, to make us think things that are, that are bad. He attacks the mind. That's why the Bible said the first thing you put on is the helmet of salvation. It protects your mind. The helmet protects your head. You've got to get it right in your head before you can get it right anywhere else. Are you all with me tonight? Look, I'm not charging any extra for some good stuff. Amen. So, so when, when you thought that thought, and, and, and then the devil says, uh-huh, see there, if you was a Christian, you wouldn't think that. That's what he says next. Now, I'm reading his mail tonight. He, he don't like me because he'll probably let this microphone go out pretty quick. He don't like me because I'm telling you how it is. Then he says, see, if you was really a child of God, you wouldn't think stuff like that. Let me tell you something. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in God submitting ourselves to Him and Him controlling our lives. But I have never seen one person that when they got the Holy Ghost, they were transformed into an angel. Because out of this mouth is humanity. And out of this brain is humanity. And sometimes we just can't help it. It's just in our, it's in our makeup. It's the way we live. It's what we are, it's who we are. So here's what you do. When that thought comes, here's what you have to do. You have to say, I rebuke that. I take dominion over that. I come against that. The Bible said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. If you go read that, that, word, flee, and then go look it up. It means running scared. He'll get out of there. You put the name of Jesus out there, and he'll have to take his flight. Come on now. You see, we all live in a real world, a human world, so we're not perfect. So when a thought comes, I want, you, I want you to understand something, because I've seen people beat themselves over the head. Now, if you leave that thought, and you let it lie there, and you, 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 you feed it a little bit, It'll become like a cancer in your life. And the first thing you know, that thought will become an action. That's when it becomes wrong. And when your action is, is, is done, then you've you got to get forgiveness and you've got to repent of that. But, but the way to control it, the Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let you... There's three kind of minds. I'm going to preach on this one day. I studied a little bit today. There's a carnal mind, there's a spiritual mind, and then there's the mind of Christ. Those three things are talked about in the New Testament. So the, the carnal mind, you know how bad that is. And then the spiritual mind. But the, the mind of Christ is where we've got to get, to where we can think like Him. And when we can, we can have faith, and we can believe, and we can stand upon the Word of God. So what I'm telling you today is your failure in a thought. It's not necessarily, well, I backslid. I thought, let, let, let me tell you something. Look, can I be honest with y'all? Y'all are going to throw me out if I just be honest with you. Okay? You know why the devil causes something to come to your vision? You know why? To get to your mind. Watch me, okay? How many times have I preached this? You, you remember the, it's not as much anymore, but the big old billboards on the side of the road. I remember one that had Marble Country and had a guy, big old cowboy looking dude, I mean fit, sitting up on a big old nice beautiful horse. Marble Country. 
He spoke at a bar bar. One preacher said, I'll show you bar bar country. Follow me to the graveyard. But he, he, he wants that to look good. You, you, does anybody remember this sign of, of water running over rocks? And, and it's beautiful. It's, it was a billboard back then. It's all over television now. You know that. But, but it, it, and it said, from the country of 1,100 springs. They don't show you cirrhosis of the liver and dying people on the hospital bed. The devil's messing with your mind. Here we go. You ready? You ready? When they, you, you see an advertisement for a vehicle, have you ever seen a half-naked woman laying up on the hood? You're not getting that when you buy a vehicle. That's to get your attention, sir. And you know what? If it don't get your attention, I'm really worried about you. It should. But you have to guard your mind. I'm just being honest with you. So what I'm preaching to you on this night is that we put on the helmet of salvation and we walk with God and He protects us. That's why there's, oh boy, I could preach a little bit tonight. That's why there's some things you don't need to see. You don't need to put some movies in your home. You don't need to go to some movies. You don't... Mm-mm. There's some books you don't need to be reading. There's some pictures you don't need to be looking at. There's some things you don't need to be pulling up on your computer. Y'all still love me? I'll stay around here Sunday if y'all let me. Amen. But the facts are, you've got to guard your mind. And that's part of this successful living for God. That's part of not quitting. Just get on the helmet of salvation. I, I, I read a story. I read a story about a guy that he, he said that he and his wife uh, were going to have a baby. And they, they, they went to that. Now, they do all this stuff now. So they went to the hospital, and, and uh, they, they had prepared. They went through all the classes. You know, back in our day, there was no classes. You didn't know what that young one was when they got here. And, uh, but, but they checked in and, and went to the labor suite and prepared, prepared for the coming of their firstborn. And much before... All that had happened. They took everything, the, the Lamaze classes, and the, you know, they they'd made every preparation, and 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 so they they were there, you know, uh, ready to have this baby, and and the story said that they get to the labor, and, and since they'd already made up their minds about everything, that this woman had her medicine, and she drifted off to sleep, and and a few hours later, it was it was time to do the real hard stuff. The doctor came in and he reached over to the pole that had the epidural medicine hanging there and, and he, he reached over and he unplugged it. He turned it off. And he said his wife, uh, who had fallen asleep, woke up and said, did, did I see you do what? Why did you do that? And the doctor replied with these words and he said, I never will forget the words. He said, the words my, my wife is trying to forget was this. You can be comfortable or you can give birth today, but you can't do both. So here we are in 2019 at Ease in Zion. 
We can be comfortable or we can give birth. We can prepare. We can follow the rules and not quit. But we have to have a mind to do that. You can't be comfortable and still give birth. You can, you can live at ease in Zion. That's what the Scripture says. You can be happy to be parked at the, at the church and, and, and be in here and be a part of Christian life. And you can just go through the motions. But as for me, I want to say this today. I want it to be my motto for the next few weeks and months of my life. I am prepared. I have followed the rules. And I refuse to quit. Is there anybody that will join me tonight to say, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to follow, I'm going to get that relationship, I'm going to do it lawfully, and I'm going to live for God no matter what. Stand with me all over this house. Hope I've helped you tonight. Hope you gather something from what I've said. So do you want to be comfortable or do you want to do the work of God? It's not easy. Ushers, will you come right now? Let's, let's receive an offering while I'm closing here. You can just... Receive it while I'm talking. Give is unto the Lord, and He will bless you. So is anybody in here tonight with me? You understand where I'm coming from? Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I believe, look at me, I believe God is about to do some awesome things in this church. I want to tell you the first couple weeks of this year, the first two weekends in this church on Sunday morning when we've all been in this congregation have been absolutely awesome. It's been absolutely powerful. And God is doing some great things. Brother Charlie, you got to prepare for what God's going to do with the men's group. Amen. Jocelyn, you got to prepare for what God's going to do with the women's group. you got to prepare for what God's going to do in kid life. You got to prepare for what God's going to do in every ministry of this church. I want to tell you, it's going to be the greatest year yet, Brother Roy, for community groups. It's going to be the greatest. We're preparing. We're getting ourselves ready. We're doing what we ought to do and say, God, we're getting ready. We're going to, and what, not only that, we're going to play by the rules and we're going to live by your word and we're going to get a relationship. And furthermore, we ain't quitting. There ain't no quit in me. I refuse to quit. I am not going down. I am going to get up. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to do right. I'm going to do the work of God. Does anybody believe that tonight? I won't quit. Lord Jesus, I pray over this congregation on this Wednesday night. Thank you again for what you're doing for Christian life. Thank you, God, for the, the things that are being done in our church. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You're doing awesome things. Our prayer rooms, Lord, have been full because people are hungry and people are being challenged and people are moving into the realm of the Spirit. I pray, God, that you would let that preparation keep on going. Let every one of them that's studying the Bible and that's reading the Bible, let them get deep into the Word of God and reveal yourself to them like you never have before. Not only that, Lord, but give us relationship, not just with you, but with one another. And let us walk according to the Word of God. I pray it, Lord, and then above all things right now, I'm praying for this church to have great determination. God, we've seen it in the past and we've had it, but I want you to give us great determination that 
we would not fall in this hour, but we would be greater than we've ever been as a church that walking the walk and talking the talk for the kingdom of God. Do it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody in this room said in Jesus' name. Say it loud in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you for coming.